0: Hey folks, welcome to Pivot Point. My name is Joseph DiBiase and this is my podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pivot Point. Yes, this is Joseph DiBiase and this is my show. You know, this show is about the lives and the journeys of those who are in the arts, how they got there, what was their passion, what was their first awareness, who helped them along the way, what were some of the hurdles. And I know that today, you'll be listening to this show after the election. It will be Wednesday, and Tuesday, we all voted. Well, I hope we all voted. You voted, right? Uh, I don't know what to say other than may we all find some peace in what's going on. I'm pretty sure we're not going to know the results by Wednesday, but if we do, maybe that's good. But I'm not going to linger too much about it. What I want to do is just talk a little bit about our passions. We all got involved in the arts because of something that is deep within us, the calling, the the need to express. And regardless of what is happening in our politics right now, we need to continually express what we are feeling what we see, what our commentary is on the world, or in our life even. It's through the arts. It's through somebody's painting, somebody's collage. For me, every time I see interpretive dance, I am just melted, especially when the lyrics are really lined up with the movements and the music is there supporting it. My encouragement today is to return to that original place, that place that first drew us into wanting to first lift up that pencil or that paintbrush or touch those piano keys or pick up that trumpet. Go back into that place and, and find that passion again. And I'm not saying that we all lost our passion, But what I am saying, there's been a major distraction with all of the politics and also COVID. I mean, the four walls, right? They're closing in on us. It feels that way. It's been a long haul. What I'm trying to say is, I think now, more than any other time, is that time to go back into those deep places of ourselves and start expressing and putting our art out from those deep core places. And not give a rat's ass about what anybody says about it. If it's true for you, then it's true. Now, I know and you know that if you've got a gig and you've got a director or a producer or you've been commissioned or whatever the circumstances are, of course you need to pay attention to what is being offered to you. And in that place, don't forget that deep core place of your beginnings and still come out with your truth. So take some time. Go back. I want to say go back to the axe head, but you probably don't know what that is. Um, all right. Uh, I'll tell you. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just a, a story that when, when we're creating and we're swinging that axe and we're whittling away at our craft, right? What can happen is that the axe head can fall off that edge, that sharpness, and falls off. And we don't know it. And we're just swinging away. And we are swinging with just the handle. And so we need to be able to go back, pick up the axe head, secure it back onto the handle, and start whittling away again at our craft. Sometimes, though, we don't know that the axe head has fallen off. Sometimes we don't know it for years. And we're just hitting that craft with the with the handle and sometimes we wonder why isn't it you know, where's that edge? Where's that sharpness? Where's the crispness? And that's because the axe head has fallen off. And that axe head is our passion. It's that original calling, that original edge that we've had, that, that curiosity, which is something you'll hear Star talk about today. So, let's remember the axe head. Let's remember where we are and create from a deeper place because what you have is what our world needs. What you have to say, we all need to hear. What you have to show, we all need to see. Okay, on the show is Star Parodi. So I told you a little bit about Star at the end of the last episode, but let me refresh your memory. You know, Star first came on the scene playing keys for the Arsenial Hall show. She has recorded or performed with artists like Carol King and Al Green or Mavis Staples or Ray Charles. Starr's created scores for film and television. She's written trailer music. Her recent symphonic concert works have premiered at the Lincoln Center and both Woman in the World Summit, hosted by the New York Times, and the Woman Warrior's Voices of Change. She's also had concert works at the Festival of Arts, the Pageant of the Masters in Laguna, California. What impresses me about Star is that her peripheral vision of our humanity is wide. And she encompasses that in her music and how she is with other people. I know you'll hear that in our conversation Okay, Star Parodian and I talking about her pivot points and much more. Take it away, Star. <laughs> Hey! Hey! Just a
1: second. Uh, how are you? <laughs> okay. Let me just try to minimize noise on my end. Okay. Uh, which means possibly putting my dog.
0: It, hey, someone who wants his to ball, play. <laughs>
1: he's he wants to play. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm. I'm worried.
0: I love how your dog wants to just play the ball. I put your dog's name. Dimitri. Dimitri wants to just play.
1: I know. He's just, I mean, he's, Dimitri, he's just put the ball play? down. Let's play. Want to play? Oh, my gosh. Let's play. There's never a dull moment around here. It's yeah, just,
0: that's all right. It's great. Second. Let me put
1: us here. I can put this here. I think uh, we're good.
0: Okay. <laughs> How are you?
1: Oh, I'm fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you've been busy huh
1: yeah i mean you know I, I don't know if you know that we all had the coronavirus
0: yes you told Which me was that.
1: you know horrible so we're being i mean we're we were extra cautious we just we got it at the very beginning mm. when nobody knew what was going on so
0: yeah how sick were you guys
1: pretty darn sick <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: sick enough to not want to get it again.
0: Yeah, you know? for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, well,
0: you know, I'm glad that you both you, well, all three of you got all it, right? All three of us got it. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you all recovered. Uh yeah, any I mean, any lingering things? Any lingering uh, you uh,
1: know what? Uh, some uh it's getting a lot better.
0: Mm.
1: You know, but um it yeah, I mean definitely of a few occasionally uh, reminders, you uh-huh. know, that, you know, you feel kind of it coming on again and then it goes away really quick. Oh, wow. So, yeah. 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 But, you know, mostly um, mostly just, you know, 100% better. Just, oh,
0: that's really great. Yeah. yeah. So, let me ask you you didn't grow up in LA, did you? Where I you did. From? Really?
1: I grew up here, yes.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Whereabouts in L.A. did you grow up?
1: I was born in Hollywood, believe it or not. Uh, And I I grew up uh, kind of, I guess you'd say, mid-Wilshire, you know, Highland and Olympic area, if that makes any sense to to people from L.A., but just kind of mid-city. And uh, then my dad was in alternative energy. Wow. And my mom was a holistic doctor, <laughs> uh-huh. so um, so uh, we moved to Bakersfield for my uh-huh. dad's work for a few years, and then to Orange County,
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, and then I moved to Michigan by myself to go to Interlochen when I was a senior in high school. Wow! And, uh, and then moved around, you know, quite a bit, just around the L.A. area,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, you know, after that. But yeah you know all over LA. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, sure. Um siblings? Any? Do you have
1: No siblings, although it's possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, there's that sounds like a story.
1: <laughs> I know there is a story in it. Um, you know, my my dad was married um several more times than I ever knew about. <laughs> and uh and I found some pictures. Uh, uh-huh. you know, after he passed away that you know, was was um, with him with a, a young boy.
0: Mm. So,
1: you know, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, you may I've have a stepbrother possibly, somewhere.
1: It's it's possible. If I, if I do have a brother, he's a lot older than me, and he lives in Mexico, <laughs> which is where my dad was living at the time.
0: Wow, isn't that wild, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> was music in your house? I mean, if your dad was into alternative energy and... um Your mom was a holistic doctor. So, where did the music come from?
1: Both my parents loved music, but we didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot of music in the house. Um, My grandfather, who you know, was born and lived in Italy. Most of his life was a professional accordionist. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and he wrote polkas, um, along with being a cigar maker.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in Italy, you know, you do a couple of things, but I actually found some, some, uh, Pocus that he wrote, uh, just, you know, and going through some of my dad's things, which was kind of cool.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. And
1: uh, so maybe that's where I got some musical. um, But you know, I think music has a lot to do with empathy and Mm -hmm. with, uh, with emotions and with, um, you know, kind of being a channel, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way. And so both my parents were really that. You know, Um, my mom in in the doctoring field and my dad with energy, they both were, you know, incredibly um, open, uh, generous with their time and and kind of, I guess, open to... uh, to, to being a channel to whatever good could come through them, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Yeah, no, I do understand. And so when did you know as a child that you were drawn to music to do piano or any other instrument? What, what was that like? Do you remember even those days?
1: Oh, I remember. I mean, it was a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I it like it. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I started playing trumpet in the fourth grade, so I I have very vivid memories of why I chose trumpet and when that was for me. So I'm just curious, what was that like for you when you were younger?
1: Wow. That's cool that you had that definitive moment. Yeah. Um, You know, and I wanted to say one thing just on on the previous thing that we were talking about. Uh I was doing a session one time and my mom was there.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the tr- it was actually for the James Bond theme. It was a redoing of the James Bond yeah. theme. Hilariously, she thought that I had written, and she said, "Oh, this is really good."
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't write this, but um, but she was she was looking at the trumpet player, and she said, "Oh, he's playing a D above high C." And I said, "What?" So it occurred to me at that moment that my mom. Un- completely unbeknownst to her, had perfect pitch and had called the the note that he was playing exactly wow. correct.
0: <laughs> Especially if it was a B-flat instrument.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, uh, wow.
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: Yes. So,
1: <laughs> and what I, about I, you?
0: I, Do you have perfect pitch or, or where, where are you with that?
1: I have relative pitch. Uh-huh. My daughter has perfect pitch.
0: Oh, um, boy.
1: And... I can kind of pull a G out uh-huh. sometimes, you know, like if I hear a G anywhere, I know it's a G. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't,
1: uh-huh. I can't, you know, I don't have perfect pitch. Yeah. Minute, like some people do. It,
0: that's pretty amazing with people with perfect pitch. When I was at Berkeley, um, one of my friends, and still is a friend today after all these years, has perfect pitch. And, um, and the teacher didn't believe him. And it was really fascinating. So the teacher just laid on all um, eighty-seven keys and uh-huh. said, "Which one is missing?" And of course, my friend picked it out because wow. he didn't believe him. And yeah, I, and that's when my jaw went, "Oh, there's something more. <laughs> there's something to this that I don't know."
1: Yeah, that's so. an. I mean, that's an amazing gift that your friend has, and that yeah. people who have that. That's insane.
0: It, yeah, isn't it? It's it's. Yeah. And it's the same, and I don't know, I've forgotten what it's called, but the people who hear music in color.
1: Um, my daughter's friend, who is outside right now, has mm-hmm. that. Uh-huh. Called, is it Estasia or? Uh, yeah. Uh, Synestasia, is it?
0: That's it. Yep. Synestasia.
1: Synestasia, yeah.
0: Which I find that to be amazing also, because as composers especially for television and film we're always interpreting emotions and to be able to add another color like a legitimate color to your interpretation that's just got to be fabulous to be able to connect that way
1: yeah i think so too and you know now that you're talking about that i mean sound and light are both waves yeah right yeah. so it's just a faster version of of a sound wave yeah so i wonder if that has something to do with it
0: yeah i'm sure i'm sure it does that there's somehow their brain can connect to the frequency maybe it has something to do with the harmonic series you know i don't know cuz as it goes up maybe it just starts tipping into that i don't know so was it always piano for you
1: um so i always heard songs in my head mm. And um, I had the most amazing uh, piano teacher. I started, I, I took piano lessons when I was very young
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: had a piano teacher that I was very scared of
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, for good reason. <laughs> uh, and, I, and that lasted about a year, actually. I, I, I just, it made me kind of hate uh, wow. lessons and playing and whatever. And, and so I, I didn't continue. And then when I was about 14 years old, I had some friends that were in college mm-hmm. and they were in a band and I just, you know, all of a sudden felt like, uh, I, I was, I was at a party and I was playing, uh, playing a song on the piano and it was just a song that they had showed me. And, and one of the guys said, Oh, you picked that up really quick. You should take piano lessons. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I thought, you know, yeah, I really, you know, I really love this. And, um, Anyway, I I just really got into it very seriously, pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it kind of took me, I was a bit of a rebellious child. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I saw just, I don't know, hypocrisy in the world and and Mm -hmm. mean-spiritedness, and I, you know, made me sad. And so I Mm -hmm. guess I was you know, rebellious and a little bit depressed and, you know, did, did some bad things, you know,
2: yeah, yeah. and
1: music kind of, um, kind of saved me actually and pulled mm. me out of that, that funk that I was in, uh-huh. you know, and, um, and I, I ended up uh, auditioning and going to Interlochen mm-hmm. and there I met uh, one of my classmates who was taking lessons from, um, even though it was in Michigan, he was taking lessons from a pianist in L.A. called Howard Richmond,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And so I started taking from his piano teacher. Wow. And, you know, it was funny because we were studying classical music. And I was about, I think, maybe 16 at the time. I'd only been playing for a couple of years, really. Uh-huh. And um, and I just kind of knew that even though I was studying this, it wasn't going to be my path. And so there was... Um, really? This- well, you know, classical music, classical piano. Uh-huh. Because well, I felt like I had started too late to mm, to really to, to, you to, you yeah, know.
0: I understand what you mean. Now, for those in the audience who do not know what Interlochen is, could you give a brief a brief description of what what that is?
1: Sure, Interlochen Arts Academy is uh, an art school in Michigan. It's kind of in the forest, really. Mm. It's in a little town called Interlochen. And uh, it's still going on now. It actually started out as an arts camp, mm-hmm. I think, back in the 30s or 40s. And, uh, you know, a lot of amazing, amazing musicians and artists have, have gone through there. It's really an inspiring place to be. Mm. And um, and so when I went, uh, it was, you know, very small classrooms. I was used to public school and, you know, being in a classroom with 30 or 40 people and, yeah. and you know, having you know, having basically a public school experience. And then I, you know, I got into this school that we had maybe 12 people in a class yeah. and a lot of, uh, a lot of individual attention. And also all the kids there were like me, you know, they, they really loved music and they loved art and they wanted to make a difference in the world. And, and so, you know, I think when you're surrounded by people who, have similar goals, it's really inspiring.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: e- even though I was only there not even a full year, it, it totally changed my life and it mm. changed the trajectory of, of my path.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you knew that classical wasn't going to be it for you. Did you then decide at pop? Did you decide jazz? How did that work for you? Or did you just let it unfold?
1: Well, I had this kind of, like what you were talking about in fourth grade, when you knew about the trumpet, I had this kind of aha moment, I guess, uh, with my piano teacher, Howard Richmond, because I was supposed to be working on a Haydn sonata. Mm -hmm. And instead I had been going and practicing, you know, ELP solos, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and doing, you know, everything, but what I was supposed to be doing. And, and so I got to my lesson and I was, you know, pretty contrite about not having, uh, you know, what I, uh-huh. what I had planned um, to be prepared. And I was also maybe a little bit upset, some tears, you know, mm. and he was, he just sat there and rather than putting me down or, or shaming me, he just took a piece of paper and he wrote a poem on the piece of paper. And he said, okay, then play this. What? Yeah, I mean really, it was it was one of those things that you think you know, did somebody really say this to me and and so you know, as I was as I was sobbing because yeah. I didn't have my my lesson prepared, I looked up and you know, he had written this this, you know, very simple poem mm. that was uh that was very descriptive. Yeah. It was something about the rain falling and the dark clouds and the sun coming up and looking down from the sky, you know, so it had a lot of, a lot of visual images. Mm. So I looked at the poem and I just started improvising and playing what I thought the rain would feel, you know, sound like yeah, or what I the yeah. dark clouds. And it really, I think was a turning point, um, and opened my heart up to putting picture with music mm-hmm. So, uh, and then every week I would, you know, practice what I was supposed to practice. And then he would take, uh, you know, he'd take a little bit of time every lesson to write a poem and improvise.
0: Oh, my gosh. What a fantastic teacher.
1: Yeah, he was really great. Wow.
0: I mean, it's like what we would imagine, (laughs) I'm going to be a little careful here, about a parent would see in their child and then instead of trying to sh- change them or scold them, they actually feed it. And that's what he did. He fed you. He saw that this is what made you sing. So, okay, do your studies and we'll do some of this too. That's yeah. beautiful. That is just beautiful.
1: And, you know, he wasn't that much older than me. He mm. was a graduate student at UCLA. So, you know, I was 16 and he was probably twenty two yeah. or something like that yeah. yeah yeah so but really he
0: understood play. it he must have really understood the the heart place yeah
1: you know? i think he did yeah. so
0: what happened so you were 16 all this was developing in you did you go to college or did you I, end up going straight on the road or join, join <laughs> a band or what did you do
1: yes and yes uh-huh. <laughs> um When I came back from, from Interlochen, I, um, I went to junior college, uh, to orange coast college for two years Mm -hmm. and I had some really great teachers there. Um, one of my teachers helped me by, by pissing me off so much.
0: (laughs) What a motivator.
1: Yeah. You know what? She was brilliant. She was a, a, a brilliant, brilliant musician, um, composer could take down a symphony by ear, you know, she went to MIT and she took one look at me, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, you know, uh, um, Southern California girl. I was a very hard worker, but looks can be deceiving, you know, and, and uh, sometimes the perception of what somebody's supposed to look like when they're serious Mm -hmm. uh, is, is different you know, and I had a lot of joy, you know, and and I, you know, I was very free spirit, so mm-hmm. she didn't like that very much. And she said to me, You're never gonna make it through my class, mm-hmm. you will never make it through. And you know, her class was difficult, and mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that was enough for me to, um, you know, to basically get A's in every single
2: yeah, of <laughs> subject
1: course. and for her and I to become very close actually. And, wow. uh, and, and actually they gave me a scholarship when I didn't even apply for one because they saw how hard I was working. And, um, you know, she, I have a lot of respect for her. I, I, I am not still in touch with her, mm-hmm. but, you know, I guess sometimes, you know, I guess different teachers have different ways of, of motivating you. And
2: yeah.
0: I
1: guess, for her telling me I couldn't do something. Yeah. Her way of making me do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there are people who um, do get motivated by what I call negative motivation, you know? Um, and uh, maybe that's, well, obviously that did it for you. I know for me, if I, someone says you're never going to do it, there would be part of me that would be that, you know, because I'm also Italian, and maybe it's part <laughs> of our Italian heritage, I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but i also know that with positive reinforcement i also excel when somebody sees something really good in me i know that um i and i get encouraged in it i go after it even more you know so but but i you know i did have that negative motivation as well when i was younger and maybe that's just what it is it's that age thing because when i was younger um I also was a hockey player and uh at one point a coach uh had said to me, I'll never forget it, he had called up and and um I was supposed to be the that st- I was a goaltender. I was supposed to be that starting goaltender that year and there was a lot of s a lot of um uh buzz about what was happening with me. And I think when I started the year, I was just kind of relaxed about it. Like, yeah, this is, I'm, I've got this. And when he told me that, um, he, he was like, yeah, there was a lot of buzz, but uh, I'm not seeing it. <laughs>
2: Ooh, ouch. <laughs> ouch.
0: That changed everything. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was like all the jets got turned on. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You. <laughs> so.
1: And he was I, he was he was giving you an honest assessment too. Yes, you know, which is, I mean, I really appreciate it when people are really honest.
0: I do you know? too. I I really do not like um, yes yes people like you know. I I really want the hard truth um, because. Then I have then I know where I am and I can make decisions on what I want to do about it. So it doesn't it you know it doesn't knock me down, but it really helps me to engage. So I appreciate that too.
1: And you know, I mean speaking of the hard truth, I think when it comes to music and the arts, it's a very subjective thing. Yeah. You know? And so some somebody's hard truth or rejection could be just them not, you know, getting something too so i i think in that way you know it's just so important to have an inner core where you have have um i guess a vision and and a goal Mm -hmm. and also just um just just an inner feeling like it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks Mm-hmm. You know, so, yes, those those negative reinforcements, you know, of teachers or your, you know, your hockey coach or, or yeah. one teacher of mine saying you'll never do that. That's, you know, a different thing than saying, I don't like what you're doing.
2: Right. You know? Very uh, different. Or,
1: or you're not good, you mm-hmm. know, and those kinds of, of uh, criticisms are not helpful.
2: No. You I know,
0: yeah. and
1: so, you know, I think that, um, but the others can, can work on, yeah. on, you know, depending on uh, where you are. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh huh. All right. So you've graduated high school. You went to college and f- finished college.
1: Uh, I went to Orange Coast College for two years Yeah. and I got a, a random call um, from fame <laughs> The show Fame.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they said to me, I think I don't. I I honestly don't remember who called me, but they basically said we're looking for a keyboard player, and we wonder if you think it's possible that people would believe that a girl could play keyboards. And I said, yes, I think it's very possible because here I am. You know, I I I play keyboards. I played piano. Um, and so I ended up, uh, working on fame uh-huh. uh, when I was, I don't know, I was probably only about 19 years old cause I, I was in at orange coast college when I was 17. Yeah. So, um, so I started to work on fame. I played in their live band and I was a sideline musician and also, you know, recorded on, you know, some of their on-camera dates. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I met so many, um, so many people that I still to this day know that are um, good friends, yeah. you know, that, and everybody's has come up in a really interesting way from, from that band, you know, mm, and from the, mm-hmm. from the, that we played with and you know concurrently I just started to play with as many people as I could yeah and I started my own band which was uh-huh. a jazz fusion band
0: oh my and gosh do you have yeah. recordings of that I'd love to hear it <laughs> oh my
1: gosh yeah I, I could I can play you some stuff
0: That'd be um, awesome.
1: but we used to play a lot at a place called the lighthouse in mm-hmm. uh, Hermosa Beach and you know just kind of all over town and I had some of the just amazing amazing players that would you know, playing my band and I was probably just soaking up everybody, you mm-hmm. know, learning from everybody I was playing with because I was, you know, had started playing so late and, you know, but I think being around people who are better than you,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: um, as a musician just is invaluable. Mm hmm. You know, so I started playing and um, just kind of playing around town. I was playing a lot of gospel and soul gigs. Uh-huh. You know, and in fact, um, I was in the band with uh, with uh, Ron Bruner, whose son uh, is pretty famous right now, Stephen. He's some people know him as Thundercat. Oh, you wow. know, uh-huh. and he he used to jam with us when he was a little kid. Wow. You know, and um, but just so many wonderful, wonderful musicians. Yeah. And Um, And I was always writing as well.
0: How was it for you emotionally? How was the scene? Was it, you know, how things can be? Was it a difficult scene? Were there drugs? Did you have to be careful? Did it, or was it just, you know, because sometimes it it doesn't get filled like that either. Sometimes it's just pretty straight. And you're just into the music, you know?
1: Right. How was that for you? Well, um, I would say that I got my drug phase over um, way before I got into music, <laughs> 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 which was what music saved me from. So, okay. Uh, okay. So, um, so I wasn't really tempted by drugs mm. when I was on the road with different people. Um, mm. Definitely there were drugs in, in a lot of the bands I played in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I wasn't tempted to be a part of that, You know, Mm. I was more about the music Mm -hmm. and actually most of the guys were too, you know, um, and, you know, some of them actually, I mean, they were just so much like my brothers, you know, and so, um, even if I probably wanted to, they wouldn't have let me, (laughs) you know, even though they were, but, um, but. Yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, there were some crazy times. I oh, mean, sure.
0: I mean, yeah. being on the road, yeah. you know. It's not easy. You, no. know? You, you know, you live out of a suitcase, and then your hours and your sleep are all messed up. And then you come home, you try to adjust, and then you go out. It, it, it's, it, yeah, it just messes you up, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, fortunately, I didn't have to do that for very long, because really early on, um, I got a job on the Arsenio Hall Show. Mm-hmm. And that was really what allowed me to pursue composing, actually, because oh, really? um, when I was on the road, as you were saying, and, you know, every, everything is a little bit topsy-turvy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to, to, um, to have any kind of a schedule to have a, a writing yeah. job. But with the Arsenio Show, um, you know, I was there for a certain period of time every day. I had my mornings, early afternoons free and my evenings free. Mm. So that's when I wrote. Mm -hmm. And it really gave me an opportunity to start really pursuing a career as a composer.
0: How long did that um, the Arsenio Show go for?
1: It went for six and a half years.
0: And were you on the band the whole time? Yeah. Oh, what a great gig.
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. And if I can go back just a little bit, and you do not have to elaborate, but I'm going to ask: When you say that music saved your life, was it in a way that it gave you? I'm guessing that maybe it gave you some purpose, some direction, or maybe an outlet.
1: Um, you know, I don't know how it did. I just know that that once I um, once I started to really play music. Mm-hmm. Like my whole heart opened up, mm. you know, and things that that I felt so misunderstood about, um, I just became, you know, I just, I just realized, you know, like there were more people like me, you mm-hmm, know,
2: mm-hmm. Um,
1: and and you know, it just, I don't, I, I don't know how it did, it just, yeah.
2: just did.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like when I'm hearing you say more people like me and that your heart opened up. It reminds me of those times when we were younger, where we're really trying to figure out how, who are we, and where, you know, where in this world am I? <laughs> you know, um, exactly. I, I I'm not gonna. I, I'll share this, and, and I'm well. Let me just share this. I distinctly remember when I was younger. You know, our family would go to these family picnics. You know, uh, at, at like a a park, and I and we'd have different races. It'd be sack races and running races. And I remember being very, very young, running for the first time, and saying to myself, "Oh, this is what this body can do."
1: Wow, that's perceptive, right, a young child?
0: And and it's. Uh, I mean, I have memories from like being three. So there's, for some reason, uh, I can remember these things. But I guess the point I'm trying to get at is there is that process while we're younger trying to go, you know, who are we? How do I fit into this world? And the things that are important to us as individuals, we're still sussing that out and we're still trying to figure out does anybody else out there feel that way? Does any, you know, where's my tribe, as we would say today, right? But we're the people that really understand how, like I understand, and how do I feel? And um, it sounds a lot like perhaps that's what you were going through, is trying to You were just kind of evolving into who you are, and music helped you, like you say, open up. And there was something there that, you know, you could now express yourself in a way that words just fall short.
1: That's so beautifully put.
0: Well, thank you. I
1: should have said that.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have to say it. It's just something that I experienced and I just think a lot of composers and musicians, people in the arts feel that way. Like uh, you know, uh, words sometimes words just don't have enough.
1: Words fail. Yes. You know?
0: Yes, but you know, you know, you put me in front of a like my piano's like right here. So you put me in front <laughs> of a piano and then It's all of a sudden, um, I feel one with my emotions, you know?
1: And, and, you know, speaking of, of, you know, what you're saying about feeling one, I think um, when you're playing music with other people Mm -hmm. and you're making a piece together, and also when you're putting music to a picture, it's a similar feeling, a feeling that connectedness with everything. Yeah, you know and i think that's why people sometimes get hooked on you know being an artist or a musician or a composer because there's a, a euphoria that comes mm. with feeling like you've meshed you know you've 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 connected with something bigger
0: mhm mhm for sure What was your first opportunity to write for Picture? And like, well, let me even, before asking that, how did you learn that sensibility?
1: Well, I was, again, really, really fortunate. Um, You know, now it's so amazing, you know, the, the mentorship opportunities that people yeah. have,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: we have the Sundance labs and the ASCAP workshop, and we have individual mentors and the Alliance for women film composers mm-hmm. has mentorship. The SCL has mentorship. But, um, when I was coming up, I don't, I don't necessarily know that people thought of people as mentors, mm-hmm. you know, mm. um, so there was a, a, a writer, a television writer named Mike Post, Oh yeah. and he had, uh, gosh, I think he had about 13 shows that he was working on, and um, my friend and I made a tape where we wrote a bunch of cues, you know, just little, I mean, they didn't even have anything to do with any of his shows, <laughs> and he called me and said, hey, do you want to be on my team, you wow. know? And right and now he had, um, I think, five or six other writers. Yeah. Um, because he had many shows per week, he had an orchestra. You know. Yeah. He had uh, electronics with an orchestra, um, and he had sessions almost every day, and you know for his different shows. And I was one of his writers.
0: That's and- wonderful. I didn't yeah. know that. Wow.
1: So I was really, really fortunate. Um, he must have heard something in that tape, you yeah. know, yeah. that he thought he could, you know, work with.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: he was, uh, he was never easy on me. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, he, he, uh, he gave, he, I think that he knew I hadn't written for an orchestra before. Um, I had certainly done mock-ups,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and I had studied orchestration on my own by mm-hmm. studying scores and you know looking at orchestration books and and you know doing orchestration on the synthesizer, but I had never written for an orchestra before mm-hmm. a live orchestra mm-hmm. until him, mm-hmm. and I think he knew that. Although uh, there were times when he asked me to do things that you know he he basically said you know well. You know, I'd say, are you sure you want me to do this? And he'd say, well, if you've you've got any balls, you'll do it, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) I'd be okay. You know, I'm I'm seeing
0: a pattern here, star. (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: I know. know. And, you know, I'd stay up all night and I'd work and work and work to try to make sure that it would that it would sound okay. And, you know, when it did sound okay, um, you know, when it sounded good, I learned. And when there were things that I would change you know, they, they weren't so drastic that it ruined the cue, mm-hmm. but I'd say, oh, I'm never going to do that again.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know.
1: And, um, I'm never, you know, and, and, you know, even learning the sweet spots of the ranges of all the instruments, yeah. um, you know, and, and learning how to not be too busy, you know, and to let things breathe. Those are things I learned a lot yeah, from my host.
0: That's and, great. Yeah.
1: yeah. He, he really let me, you know, he, he really let me explore it
0: that's fantastic it is one of the challenges when we write is not to have too much music in our music you know it's just to really find just that pocket of what's really going to be especially back then melody and what's going to be the subtext what's going to be that harmonic you know rhythm and feel to it and uh, that's that only comes by doing and trial and doing it and trying it you know
1: it's so true. And, you know, sometimes the most simple things can be the hardest. Yes. You know, because you're not hiding under layers. Uh, you are very exposed. And whether it's something that uh, is relating to just a sound,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you
1: know, that you're creating, or whether it's a melody, um, it's hard to be simple.
0: Yeah. But it it's really beautiful and elegant
1: yeah. to be simple, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. So how long were you with Mike?
1: Um just a few years, uh-huh just a few years
0: was was he helpful in uh, helping you get your own gigs or were you just out there hustling to get your own shows, or how did that work for you? you
1: know, um I think for the for different people that worked with him, it was you know it, it, he interacted in different ways. yeah for me, you know, he didn't he never got me a, a show or a mm-hmm. job, you know, I was mainly just me writing for him. And mm-hmm. after that, you know, I was working with Arsenio mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of everything when, when the Arsenio show ended, um, I just started to, you know, I had, I had started to write for movie trailers.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: And, um, and I had gotten into that, uh, which was really cool because, There's so many different styles that you learn because there's so many different demographics that the, um, that the studio is going after, you know, trying to appeal to Mm -hmm. for, for um, a movie, you might do three or four different versions of a movie trailer, depending on who you're reaching out to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was kind of really cool.
0: Yeah. I bet it was. Yeah. Um, You know, going back to the fame question about, do you think a girl can play synthesizer? Did you find that it was difficult? I mean, it's mostly a man's world, this film scoring thing and the TV, you know, writing. Um, Did you find it difficult to be part of the group? Or did you feel that uh, people were very welcoming and you know you just kind of was just being yourself and things unfolded how how was that for you or was it an issue at all
1: you know it, it's interesting um i th- i think that there's um so many answers to that one question yeah because yes some people were very very welcoming and you know mike post was a guy and he hired me mm-hmm. you know i was hired on fame by a guy mm-hmm. you know um most of the people I've interacted with in my life have been amazing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and some you know and then and then there are some that you know where being a girl has been an issue, mm. you know, and um, I think that when I was coming up, we were kind of at a, in a time of denial. Yeah, You know, like, we just didn't even want to talk about it, because we didn't know how to talk about it. Because if we thought, well, if we if we say something, maybe we won't get a job, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
1: so, um, so, you know, I look back on that time with, with very fond memories Mm. and with a lot of respect and love for most everybody that I worked with Mm
2: -hmm. and,
1: you know, and I'm so glad that now times are changing, Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) you know,
1: Mm -hmm. um, when you walk in with a score under your arm with an orchestra, they don't say, Oh, are you an actress on the show? They don't immediately assume that you're somebody's assistant Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, that you couldn't possibly have, have written something you yeah, know yeah. um and you know um as a, as a musician uh when people used to tell me oh you know you don't sound like a girl that was meant to be a compliment you know that was yeah. meant to be you play like a guy because they thought i played well and i took it as a compliment sure but um you know i think there's a lot of really great things about being a you know a girl. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm hoping that that doesn't really, you know, that that compliment, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm putting quotation marks, you know, the compliment mm-hmm. isn't as prevalent now as it was, um, you know, and that people can just hear yeah. people for who they are.
0: I hope so. I I think that's what we're all working towards. You know, today, it's it's really important that we talk about these things that they are open up in the open, so that we never go back into the denial place I, i'm I'm really delighted that you've had so many wonderful people help you along the way. and also clearly, you know, from what you're saying that there were some who weren't so nice, but it sounds like you just rolled on and you know and moved on from that
1: you know. I there's this great poem and I and I know I'm going to paraphrase it in a terrible way but it talks about Um, how when you're going through your life and you have all these obstacles, you keep waiting for your life to begin. And for, you know, you keep waiting for that moment when you think you've arrived. And then you realize that all those moments along the way, those are, that's your life. The whole thing is your life. And there is no there. Mm -hmm. There is no, you know, once you, you're one place and somebody thinks you're there, you don't think you're there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You still, you know, and, and, I mean, it's there, The there is a moving target, yeah. yeah, you know? And I feel like if you just, um, or at least from myself, I, I feel like the more I try to be my authentic self
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, and try to not, uh, you know, not, I, I mean, we all judge ourselves, right. Yeah. And we're, yeah. we're all pretty hard on ourselves, but I think, um, just trying to know that the best f- for from my personal self isn't reliant on what somebody
0: else thinks. You yeah, know? Yeah, that's wonderful, and that that I'm sure took many years to get to that place.
1: Yeah, I'm still getting there, but
2: you <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, there, star, and there, you
0: and, you and me both, and I'm sure everybody <laughs> else, because. You know, it takes a long time to even have that the light switch to go, I, I need to be who I am and not worry about what other people think or say.
1: Right. And, you know? you know, I feel like you can never have something that you don't want somebody else to have. Because that negative energy that you put out against somebody else is really just a mirror coming back at you. So, mm. you know, if you really want the best and highest purpose for everybody else, you're really also wanting that for yourself, mm. you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: At least
1: that's, that's what I think.
0: No, I think that's really wonderfully said. It, it really challenges your inner motives. And it will bring you back to your own self. What, what is it that you really want? You know, what kind of human being do you want to be? So in your journey, you start writing, you know, I I think most people want to go, so what was that career breaker? But I think you and I both know there's no such thing as that. It's always an evolution of that. Um,
1: I I mean, in each section or part of the journey that we're talking about, there have been really high points, Mm -hmm. you know and low points too, but there have def- definitely been markers, you know, yeah. where you go, oh, that was, that was a moment when, you know, I really felt good about this particular thing.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, had you have a particularly low time that um, almost like, you know, took the wind out of your sails?
1: You know, I'm, one of those people, my dad, you know, came from really another gem- generation. You know, mm. he was much older when I was born, hence the many wives <laughs> before yeah. my mom. You know, he was almost 60 when I was born. And and um, he came from an immigrant family who, um, you know, he, he who was very poor, mm. you know, grew up in Oakland. Um, and he he was a person that just told me my whole life never give up you can Mm. you you fail when you quit so don't quit just never give up so i guess of course you know there have been times when things have been low you know and you know when i didn't get a certain job that i felt i should have um or a certain opportunity i thought i should have but i guess my dad's words you know just were so ingrained in me that i just um I just never gave up.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. That's really great. And it's really true. We, we take ourselves out of the game when we quit. That's the only way we can get out of the game is when we stop playing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there are times when people, you know, realize that what they're doing is not what they really want to do. And yeah. I don't think that there is any harm in quitting, you know, right. something that you realize, oh, you know, this isn't really what I thought it was. Or this wasn't yeah. what I wanted it to be. Yeah, but I think if you're on a path and you, um, you know, you're striving for something that's still your dream, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I think that's when those words ring true.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you? Um, do you ever feel like uh, you know, as like we're not in our twenties, we're not in our thirties, right? So we get to a certain point in our in our age and we have enough history to look behind us and we can kind of assess ourselves and go well you know i'm not what i thought i was going to be in terms of what i want started out as like and you have this understanding of like and that's okay or that's not okay and i want to change things in my life you know what, what am i trying to ask here Maybe I need to kind of back up and just kind of say it for me. When I started, I I got a degree in film composition. I love film music. and um, And as I progressed, I ended up doing a lot more music editing than I did composition. And, you know, as I continually go, I do more composition. But at the certain point in my life, I thought I would have had so many more compositions in the world. And I haven't. And I kind of looked back and I went, well, that's interesting. I always thought this is where my trajectory was going to go and what my intention was. And life has a way of steering my boat, you know, especially if you allow an intuitive following, which I feel that I'm. Very intuitive, and I kind of go where the flow is. So I have no regrets. I have no, um, I'm not upset over anything, but I have a realization of, wow, I didn't really go where I thought it was, where my life was going to lead me. Is that a similar path for you? Or did you never really look at, yeah, this is really what I want to do? Or, and you just kind of evolved and let next, the next page turn? How, how was that journey for you?
1: You know, um, I think for me, I mean, that's so interesting, you know, what you're saying. I think um, so many things are based on the decisions that we make, whether we say the word yes or whether we say the word no. Right.
2: Yeah. An opportunity
1: comes. And if you if you say Yes, I think I'll explore that. It can take you in a different direction. Like, for instance, you're talking about music editing. Had you not said yes to music editing, you wouldn't be music editing. You know what I mean? Right. And right. And, but you might, you know, I mean, who knows? You, you could be, you know, Wayne Gretzky playing hockey, you know, or right. I mean, <laughs> who knows, you know?
2: So
1: um, for me, one of the things that I said when I was, you know, 16, 17 is I want to play for millions of people. That happened because Mm -hmm. I was on a television show that we Mm -hmm. played for millions of people a night. You know, Um, then I said, I I want to write, you know, for orchestras that happened, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, I mean, a lot of the things happen in different ways than what we think, like When I said I want to play for a million people, I was maybe thinking I want to play in a stadium for a million people. And I never thought I would be on a TV show. Yeah. And and, you know, when I said, you know, I want to do, you know, work with orchestras because I love hearing, you know, players bring music to life. You know, Uh, I don't know that I, you know, I, I don't know if. If I meant, oh, I want to be on the concert stage, you know, I, I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's so interesting. And and when I said I, you know, I I want to do films, I don't know that I ever thought I would do film trailers. But mm-hmm. yet that allowed me to work on the James Bond theme, you know, which got a gold record, um, mm-hmm. a, mission impossible, um, brave heart, laugh samurai, oh, oh you know, like yeah. one, I mean, a lot of different things that maybe I wouldn't have been able to do. Um, otherwise, you know, and and mm-hmm. gave me an arena to be able to work with bigger groups, really good budgets, you know, um, on my way of film scoring and, and scoring to, to picture. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm really grateful for where I am right now. And yeah. it, again, there's days when I think, ah, you know, uh, I mean, is this where I want to be? And there's days where I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made it to here, you know?
2: Yeah. And, yes. um,
1: and I think, you know, what we had talked about earlier, some of the things that have changed uh, for women, there has been definitely um, a catch twenty two, which is why I think that a lot of women, uh, more women, aren't scoring bigger movies. Although that's changing slowly, mm-hmm. but it is changing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in in the past, everything was based upon credits, you know. And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of a lot of uh, film producers and directors, only wanted. Uh, composers who had done the very thing that they were doing before and so they weren't listening to music, they were just looking mm. at the credits and of yep. course that's a catch-22 because there weren't a lot of women scoring you know,
2: yep. and Yeah. so
1: put us in a really weird position and I think that that's changing now
2: yeah. I think
1: that more yeah. uh, studio execs and directors and producers are more open to listening, actually listening to the music and and I think that there are more uh, blind submissions, you know, yep, and um, and I think that's really helping,
0: yeah. And there are more blind auditions, yes, you know, it wasn't uh, too long ago that I was watching Leonard Bernstein conduct Brahms Symphony Number no. Three on uh, YouTube. And I was astonished to see that the whole orchestra was all men, yes. And I was like, what?
1: Do you know when that changed? Do you know what changed that? No. The, um, basically, blind auditions changed that. Yeah. And uh, it went from women, I think, being 2% to, well, it, it didn't go up completely. Because what happened was with the blind auditions, they found that they were still hearing Heels clicking yes, on the floor so when they when they put the carpet down and the blind audition, then women started populating the orchestras much more <sighs> crazy and again that's just you know that's that's not a, a, um, a conscious thing I don't
0: think today it would be a conscious thing mm-hmm. today it would be definitely uh, um, somebody who does not want to have uh, any kind of diversity. I, I'm just very excited to see what's happening today.
2: oh
1: man, it's it's amazing. it's the 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 embracing of diverse voices is really happening, yeah, it really is. and and because of that, it's making music and art better because and yes. it's not it's not diminishing guys, you know, who yeah. are incredible and wonderful and talented, you know, Um, it's just, it's just bringing everybody up. And I think that's, what's really important.
0: Absolutely. Uh, It's kind of like, how could we ever assume that one part of our humanity is all of humanity in an expression of art that, that, I mean, that's just ludicrous. So it is making art better. And it's great to be able to see it and experience it or hear it. And it, this is not a fad. And I know a lot of people keep on saying, oh, I hope this isn't just a fad and it's going to pass. I believe that it's, it's up to us to keep it here to stay.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I was, um, I was speaking to one of the um, guys at one of the synth companies, um, are the software companies just a couple of days ago, and he was saying, you know, I really want, uh, I really want more women to be giving tutorials and and to be really into tech. And he said, why do you think not? He said, only I think two or three percent of the people that buy from us are women. And I said, well, I can tell you in our group, you know, that there's that, you know, I mean, in the Alliance for Women Film Composers, there's a lot of very tech savvy uh, women who buy your product, you know? And so, um, so, you know, there's, there's, you know, but I don't know if there's a perception, you know, um, or maybe a lack of education, although I think that's all changing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um,
0: Yeah. I I think it's, it's a kind of like a, um, a hangover from the, you know, past mm-hmm. it, it's you know you you go to the nab show and it's it's n- well it's better now but it used to be 90 percent guys yeah. it was like a guy hang.
1: yeah it's a total guy and, hang.
0: <laughs> yeah and now it's a lot better mm-hmm. but you go around these synth places and it's still guys demoing the products and one of the one things that I, I really like about spitfire i mean i love their products but Whenever I go online, there's a woman demoing it and explaining it yeah. and, you know, and really just going deep with it as opposed to other products where a guy is explaining it and he's kind of like showing off his new, his new you know, Four by four or something. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I do love <laughs> Spitfire, and I mean there yeah, there's so many too. great companies. Spitfire's been yes. really incredibly uh, supportive of the female composer community.
0: Yes, you know, yeah. and they
1: have some great stuff. And um, yeah. but you know, I think I think we just all have to lift each other up. And we, and yes. and I see a lot more education happening. You know, I see a lot more women in film scoring programs and in in tech programs and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I just mastered something uh, with Emily Lazar, awesome mastering engineer. She did um, everyone from I, I mean I don't I don't know <laughs> I can't recall all her credits right now, but everyone uh-huh. from Sia to the Foo Fighters to you know, oh she wow and and you know she's she's awesome and it was yeah. really fun to work with her. She was great. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, an amazing, uh, uh mastering engineer that works at, um, is it Bernie Grunman? Um, she, Patricia Sullivan does a lot of film mm. scores, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's, um, not that prevalent, but it's getting, it's, you know, it's, it's getting it's, more. And
0: yeah, it's growing. again,
1: yeah. you know, it should, it would be nice if there was a parody.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why we have these conversations. And, you know, I, we're seeing that it's not quite balanced yet, but there's more opportunities that are happening and more women who are getting the gigs. And I think that's really great.
1: Yes, I agree with
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we kind of wrap up, I, I think you know you've you've done the mic post. You've started doing your own writings, and you've done your concerts. I've you know, Kristen and I have been to at least one of your concerts. And I'll never forget it with trapeze stuff while you were playing. <laughs> that
1: was <laughs> amazing. That was so fun.
0: Oh my gosh! I just I didn't expect that, and that was wonderful. What would you say to? somebody younger now what would your words of advice even what would you say even to the younger star if you were uh, to, you know
1: <laughs> i think about that a lot what would i say to my younger self yeah um well you know i i just think that i mean I don't want to give you like a a pat answer. You know what I mean? Like, oh, keep going, you know. uh, I I think that you just have to kind of know in your heart that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And that whatever you do, everything is going to be okay. Mm. That's what I would tell my younger self.
0: Mm -hmm. You know? That's nice.
1: And not to fret so much you know not to not to be kind to yourself mm-hmm. and to work really hard and to um to be as good as you possibly can be at your craft yeah you know
0: yeah you just answered the question i was about to ask you which it was you know work really hard work at what and i think you I mean you said to make your craft as good as it can be which I also think it is working really hard on knowing yourself and you know exploring who you are to be able to really be grounded in yourself and what you want to say
1: well you know that's such a that's that's so beautiful how you put that. And I think that's so true. And to add to that, I would just say that curiosity is so important. Yeah. And helps you to, um, to work what by working, you know, it's so funny, my neighbor next door, he says, don't practice play, you know, Um, he's a wonderful record producer. And, and, uh, you know, um, you know, the idea of of curiosity and of of playing mm-hmm. and of of um, of just like, for instance, if you're curious about orchestration, that would lead you to studying scores of people that you love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That is working at your craft.
2: Yeah.
1: If you're curious about, um, you know, a, a certain style of music and, and you're a musician and you want to play it, you you immerse yourself in 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 your your um, uh, inspirations the mm. people that you listen to and that curiosity then um, inspires you to to sit there for the hours that it takes to learn how to how to play something yeah. you know yeah and so that's what I would say too you know is that's such an important part of, of working at mm-hmm. your
0: craft mm-hmm mm-hmm Star, thank you so much for taking your time tonight and being on the show and just speaking with me and to everybody else who listens to Pivot Point. I really appreciate it. It's been really great.
1: it was so, so fun to speak with you. And, you know, I know we talked about a lot of personal stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) But but I I really am so honored and and appreciative to be on your show. And thank you so much for having me.
0: Really, truly, I'm the one that's honored to have such an amazing human being on the show. And I love that she talks about, once she started to play music, that her whole heart opened up. I think that's what we're talking about, that axe head. I think that's that passion that we're talking about, that place. And I love that she talks about curiosity. I think these go hand in hand. So... No matter where we are, no matter what's happening, remember the axe head. Remember that sharpness. Remember your truth. Remember your passion. And create from those places. Live from those places. Okay, next week on the show is the one and only Chick Chickalini. Now, for those of you who do not know who Chick is, you don't want to miss this show. And for those of you who do, who loves you, baby? All right, everybody. Remember the axe head. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And remember, if she's doing it, why not you?